Welcome to Rock Talk, the podcast where a couple of jabronis get to know the movie roles of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I'm Jordan Rummel, joined as always by my good friend and co-host Charlie Guile. Charlie, it is your birthday if we're listening to this podcast in real in real life. How's that going for you, bud? Uh, it's going really well tomorrow. <laughs> no, yeah, uh, 20, 27 now. I, I feel like this is uh, my early, late 20s. That doesn't make any Whoa. sense, but we're going with that. It feels youthful. <laughs> oh, well, for sure. It's only a matter of time before I am eligible to sign up for AARP and start cashing in on those sweet senior discounts. Uh, I know we're on the other side of Thanksgiving, but uh, I'm feeling pretty thankful for The Rock right about now. You were actually in town for Thanksgiving, and I was lucky enough to spend Thanksgiving with your family. Yeah, we had a little uh, a little Rummel Guile crossover action for Thanksgiving this year, which was a lot of fun. I don't know how you're thankful for Dwayne Johnson, though, after watching this movie, 2013 action motion picture G.I. Joe Retaliation, uh, the sequel to the 2009 G.I. Joe Rise of the Cobra. This movie was freaking crazy town, and I can't wait to talk about it. But before all that, of course, it's time for our rock news of the week. Mazel, that's fantastic news. First piece of rock news that we have this week, Dwayne Johnson was on the cover of Entertainment Weekly dressed up as a sexy Santa Claus. Uh, what do you think about that cover? Well, I think it was only a matter of time uh, before we got sexy, sexy Dwayne Johnson uh, I would as a love Santa Claus. To, I would love to see a rock movie, a rock Christmas movie. He's never been in one. Yes. It's really the one thing missing from his repertoire. It's actually odd, and Jumanji is like is releasing as a Christmas movie, but it's it is not a Christmas movie. It's just releasing yeah, just around, around Christmas. Christmas. One of the interesting things in the Entertainment Weekly cover story is Dwayne Johnson tells a story about how he met Robin Williams uh, and embarrassed himself. Uh, he says that they were backstage at some event, and he finally worked up the nerve to go talk to Robin Williams, and he said. Hey, I just wanted to say you are my biggest fan. And he realized it took like a second for him to realize that he had got that all turned around. Uh, but he said, you know, Robin laughed, gave him a hug. Uh, and that was it. So, uh, you know, even Dwayne Johnson can screw up sometimes. And uh, second piece of news, and it kind of ties into that, is that the early Jumanji reviews are pretty good. It's a movie that we've both been a little bit anxious about. Trying to reboot a franchise or a movie as beloved as Jumanji is a tall order, but early reviews are pretty good. He was able to show it for the first time at exclusive screening for critics, and some of those critics were tweeting after the the screening, saying things like, hey, about that new Jumanji, it's fun. It's the kind of family-friendly outing that should help settle a lot of debates this holiday season. Jack Black is very, very funny. He actually, Jack Black gets a lot of love. Um, everyone sees it's I a lot of fun that the cast has a lot of chemistry. So, you know, maybe it's not going to be so bad. No, I got to say, when this movie was first released, I was very excited. I was all in. I love Jack Black, as we all know. When we saw the first trailer, trepidation started to creep in. Is this another Seven Bucks production? Is it a Baywatch repeat? Possibly. But with these new reviews, I want everyone to know I am back on board for Jumanji. I'm all in. I never left. The hype train is here, and I am all aboard. Can't wait. I don't know. Uh, I'm still going to reserve my judgment. 
he actually announced today that uh, Amazon Prime members can buy exclusive tickets for an early screening next Friday, December 8th. So uh, who knows? Maybe we'll we'll try to get on that and tell you guys what we think about it a little earlier than planned. And our last piece of rock news we have here, another cover t- for Dwayne Johnson. He's on this time. He's on the cover of Ebony, and kind of an interesting thing that I thought. But it's you know it's about black power and what it means to him. But one of the things that were a little bit unclear with the rock on is what are his political beliefs. We talk a lot about how. He might run in 2020. He's kind of toyed with the idea, but we wouldn't really know where he would fall politically. But one of the interesting things that he said, uh, and I'll give you a quote here. He said, for example, the protests that we're seeing with our football player and our athletes, some view it as a sign of disrespect, but I view it as a sign of craving respect. It's a cry for respect, a call for action to all of our leaders that have a positive powerful influence you know he's he sort of signs off and and thinks that these nfl protests are worthwhile you know and it's it's interesting even hearing him comment on what it means to be black in america like this is it's really territory that i don't think that we've ever heard dwayne johnson really move into before and it really does seem to paint a picture of someone who might be interested in or with higher political ambitions. It's fascinating. He's kind of covering all of his bases. And if he were to be making a, a possible run in 2020, this would this is what he would be doing. So it's kind of interesting stuff. Charlie, thank you for that rock news of the week. But now it is time, of course, for Daddy to go to work. Daddy's got to go to work. Today, we're taking a look at G.I. Joe Retaliation, 2013 PG-13 action-adventure movie with a budget of $130 million. This movie made $375 million worldwide. Uh, It was a huge international hit, even though critically didn't do so well. Uh, That is, I guess, the power of Dwayne Johnson. This movie is crazy pants. Uh, There are a lot of characters be warned. So I'm going to do my best here to paint a picture. We will, of course, break it down act by act. So let's get going. Following the events of The Rise of the Cobra, Duke, played by Channing Tatum, has become the leader of the G.I. Joe unit, which has been framed for stealing nuclear warheads from Pakistan by Zartan, who is currently impersonating the President of the United States. The entire G.I. Joe unit is subsequently eliminated in a military airstrike, with Duke being one of the casualties. The only survivors from the strike are Roadblock, played by Dwayne Johnson, Flint, played by DJ Katrona, and Lady J, played by Adrienne Paliki. Meanwhile, we have Storm Shadow, played by Byung-Hun Lee, and Firefly, played by Ray Stevenson, who have rescued the Cobra commander from an underground maximum security prison in Germany. Storm Shadow is injured during the escape, and he retreats to a temple in the Himalayas to recover. Upon learning that he is alive, the Blind Master, played by Riza, the leader of the Arishi Kaj clan, sends Snake Eyes and his apprentice Jinx, Storm Shadow's cousin, to capture Storm Shadow so he can answer for the murder of his uncle, the Hard Master. So if that seems a little hard to follow... Uh, it's because it is. Charlie, what what do you think? Like, what's going on here? Uh, there's just so many different characters. I guess we can start with, we only have Channing Tatum for like 20 minutes in this movie. But he, at first, is a pretty interesting foil to Dwayne Johnson's character. I thought so, too. I thought they had a lot of chemistry together. But the first thing I noticed just going into this movie is it throws you right in. 
It doesn't give you any time to catch up. You're kind of supposed to know who these characters are. Uh, and there's a lot of them. Let me just give you uh, a rundown of them. And they all have stupid names, so keep that in mind. You have Duke. You have Roadblock. You have Flint. Lady J. Storm Shadow. Firefly. Cobra Commander. Snake Eyes. Blind Master. Jinx and Hardmaster. General Joseph Colton. They're all over the place. Uh, and I, I honestly, outside of Dwayne Johnson and Channing Tatum, I was not sure who was who. Who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys? And it took me a while to figure that out. So are are the G.I. Joes like a well-known group of people like in a, in the world, like culturally? Like, I don't like is Duke is Duke a famous G.I. Joe? Is that a G.I. Joe action figure that people know of? Like, I, I was so confused watching this movie and it, it was as if I had missed like 50 years of culture. Like I felt like an alien watching this movie. Yeah. I, well, I, I know that they had a cartoon, they had comic books and they had toys. I'm not really read up on sort of the mythos of G.I. Joe or, or any of the canon. It's all pretty generic. You know, the ninja guys are ninjas. The soldier guys are soldiers. Beyond that, they don't really have a ton of character development in this movie. Actually, I thought the bad guys were much more fully fleshed out and defined. And I really enjoyed watching them. But Dwayne Johnson and Channing Tatum, until you know, for the first 20 minutes of this movie, I thought really had a great back and forth. You know, let's actually, let's play a clip. Uh, there's a very quick scene we get at the beginning of Channing Tatum and Dwayne Johnson playing Call of Duty that really gives you a sense of the the kind of quipping and, and joking around that we that we could have we could have gotten from these two had Shane Tate not died like five minutes into this movie. So let's play that right now. Contact front, contact front. Heavy ended fire. I need you to bring them up to the line. Do bring them up the line. Check that block, but I can't man, I'm taking rounds back here. I need you, I need you now. Airstrike, call an airstrike. Wait. How do you how do you do how do you call an airstrike? What about can I bring what about one of those like care package thingies? I'm bleeding out and I need you to spray. Can you use a care package thingy? You, I can bring you one. A care package thing. Who's shooting me? What is, what? I'm bleeding out right there and you're. Are you spinning? You gotta be, you gotta cover 360. You're spinning, huh? How could you be so good at combat? You I'm not stink at this. I think you need to relax. I believe I outranked you last time. I not in my house, you know. Oh, 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 all right. Taking fire, enemy fire. Oh, no, 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 enemy fire. Right, enemy contact. All right. Uncle Duke, you have big ears. You got a big head. Come here. Returning fire. Sit now. Returning fire. You can't scream your way out of this one. Oh, yeah, we're requesting assistance. Pin down, brother Duke. Pin down. That's all right. I got my boy here. Demon dog. Not the first time you sent a girl running out of the room screaming. Not the first time I've sent two girls screaming from a room. Dude, completely inappropriate. I'm just saying, completely. Oh. Okay, what uh. is that line at the end? Not the first time you sent a girl from the room screaming? What is he just implying? That it could mean so many different things. And I'm uncomfortable by every possible scenario. Like, is it a sex thing? If it's a sex thing, he made that like joke about his eight-year-old daughters. And then he got angry when Shane Tatum one-upped him. Like, yeah, 
He's you the can't one who make a sex joke about your own daughters and then be angry when your buddy makes another joke. So disturbing. Oh my gosh. But yeah, so I, I really think that Channing Tatum and Dwayne Johnson are able to play off each other pretty well uh, in the beginning here. But then, yeah, don't get too used to Channing Tatum because about 10 minutes later, he dies in a, an ambush attack. So, okay, I need help. Who are the G.I. Joes really? I think they're just super famous super soldiers, right? But they don't, but do they have powers? Because no, they all have specialties during the opening voiceover, which is so convoluted. It's not even really worth replaying, but they all have like different like ID cards that pop up. So, you know, Dwayne Johnson's is like heavy tank gunner. Dukes is like intelligence and planning or something like that. Lady J is weapons or Flint. 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 Yeah. And Flint says that his specialty is agility and free running. Which he never does any free running in this yeah, movie. Yeah, Flint, who has all of like eight minutes of screen time in this movie. But Cobra, they do have superpowers because the one guy, Firefly, has an army of nanobots that he can spit out of his body. Well, that's not a superpower. That's a gadget. No, that's a super trick. That's a superpower. No, it's not any power. It's a super gadget. Yeah, sure. That's fine. He's a super villain. Uh huh. And King Cobra, or whatever, Cobra Commander, has a deformed head. Like, but that's, uh, all, like actually, that's all we know about him. That's all yeah. we know. He doesn't really do anything in this movie. So No, actually, he s- sits in a tank of blue liquid and runs around and gives people orders. Okay, so I'm glad you mentioned this blue liquid because... So there's this prison, right, that Commander Cobra Commander and Storm Shadow and some other guy, who I guess is a Cobra, are all being held in. This entire sequence of them getting bust out of the jail is nuts. I all right. This might this is one of my favorite things about this movie. You're right. It it's insane. This like high security prison. So they just bring in I guess who's supposed to be the warden of the prison to explain to who they think. So they think that they've got Snake Eyes, right? So they're leading Snake Eyes down into this high security prison that's supposed but why? to supposed to be in snake Germany. eyes is a gi joe i have no idea but they captured him uh and that's where he goes i don't know why just go with it but anyway so it's supposed to be in germany and you know that because there are german signs everywhere <laughs> one of the german signs is supposed to translate to caution high security prison but what it actually translates to is high security wall outlet <laughs> No, <laughs> this movie no. cost one hundred and thirty million dollars, but they couldn't get that right. Also, the stop signs all say "halt" with like an unlot above the A, but stop signs in in Germany all say "stop." I'll tell you what, though, I've never been to Germany. I know nothing about Germany, but I believe a halt stop sign more than I would believe. <laughs> like if I saw a stop sign, I'd be like, "That's wrong." There's no way that they say "stop" in Germany. But halt more seems. Aggressive. Seems, yeah, halt uh, is like halt, halt. Well, that to so me I'm, is what they do. <laughs> I'm surprised this movie made so much money worldwide because it seems very much like an American movie. The amount well, it was, of guns that it was this banned. Is like American. Oh, it was this banned. Was, it was banned in Pakistan because of the opening scene. Okay, well, the opening scene <laughs> where they are murdering everyone that they see with a turban. Of course, it's it's banned in Pakistan. 
Just this, for no, there's no explanation other honestly, than like gun down people in turbans, and the death total is like seventy. Oh gosh! All right. So when did this movie come out? Twenty thirteen. Yeah. Okay. I have a theory here. Might be a little controversial, but here here goes. I think ISIS saw this movie, and that's why they're like they <laughs> want to destroy America. Holy crap! <laughs> and honestly, I can't really. I can't blame them because it is like uh, the personification of gun culture. Like so many guns when they go, well, spoiler alert, Bruce Willis is in this movie. They like go pick up guns from his house, like hundreds and hundreds of guns stored everywhere. He has like grenades in in the fruit basket. Uh, it's, it's crazy, but I could totally understand why other countries would look at this movie and, and be like, well, no wonder we hate America so much. Yeah, if you needed a motive, G.I. Joe retaliation is plenty. Uh, we deserve to be wiped out. But but to go back to this German prison, so they have they have snake eyes in the warden. They're going down this elevator, and the warden explains that the elevator goes down so far that it actually goes below the, whatever country it's on owns. Which it's like in like international waters but yeah, like underground space version. so they're able to get away with more but if you look at like most international laws say that if you own something on the surface of the earth your property extends all the way to the earth's core and then uh, <laughs> and then enough like above you to space so that's wrong unless they are sitting in the earth's core i guess the word at one point says uh if we didn't have air conditioning it would be like 270 degrees in here which honestly i would have enjoyed that plot line i would have enjoyed an exp- an explanation about the making of this prison more than anything else that happens in this movie well he said I it was like an old what was it mine shaft yep yep just a mine shaft which is lazy that's just, just lazy is writing. the easiest possible way out for this insane prison and then they're keeping storm shadow cobra commander and this other guy in like okay but we don't even know at this point that it's storm shadow so they think it's snake eyes there's this whole thing where it's like we're finally gonna see who's behind the mask Mm. (laughs) they pull the mask off snake eyes and it's this guy called storm shadow which to this point we don't know who he is if you're coming in this movie without seeing any other gi joe movie they pull the mask off and it's just some asian guy and it like it's this moment where it's supposed to be like bum 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 and like we're supposed to know something's up i guess but if you haven't seen any of these movies you don't know what's going on you don't know what's going on all you know is that the prison warden is just like okay well we'll just throw you in the tank right like, <laughs> like as if that, that's a thing eyes. They clearly realize that they have the wrong guy, but then throw him in the blue goo anyway. Like I was watching this movie with with my with one of my roommates, Johnny, and he like we both thought that this was just a mistake. Like I I was like, no, like there's no way they were calling him Snake Eyes. Like they must have just like it must have been a goof. But no, like that's literally like they thought that they had Snake Eyes, and then it wasn't again. Like this is what drives me so freaking insane about this movie. Snake Eyes is a G.I. Joe, from what I understand about the Joes. And I don't he understand seems to a be lot. like a rogue, like like a Han Solo type. You know, not good or bad in it for himself, but then he definitely helps the G.I. Joes. And then at the end of this movie, he's like deemed an official G.I. Joe. Also, this jail is run by the G.I. Joes. 
Like this is like a Guantanamo level jail, like run by the by America's greatest heroes. But except for it, everyone that works there, or at least there's like this one scientist guy who's Irish. He has an Irish <laughs> accent. Well, you have to have one Irishman in a when in when a, Firefly comes and busts everyone out. Uh, this this scientist is running around screaming, yelling things in an Irish accent. I don't know what is going on. Well, and none of it makes sense. We got to get to act two here because I need to discuss where we learn more about Snake Eyes, sh- uh, Storm Shadow. Okay, but one more <laughs> thing before we get there. Uh, why is Snake Eyes called Snake Eyes? His helmet doesn't make him look like he has snake's eyes. I hate it. I hate, I'm telling you, I hate everything about this movie. I do not understand why his name is Snake Eyes. I don't understand why Storm Shadow is Storm Shadow. By the way, neither of those are good ninja names. I'm going to tell you that right now. Those are bad ninja names. The other ninja named Jinx, that's a good ninja name. I love that name. That's not bad. When Firefly comes and busts everyone out of the prison, um, Storm Shadow finally gets his, like, katanas back, which are just being held they're like on top of some stairs out in the open like you wouldn't think that they would lock that up anyway he finally you know he gets the katanas he's like working his way out of there he had bust out of this thing of like blue goose that's everywhere the scientist or no it's the warden takes a defibrillator that's just out and about and like shocks him with it do you remember that part and storm shadows like sitting there like yeah where he puts the thing in the water and, like, electrocutes the heck out of Storm Shadow. But he is being electrocuted for, like, 10 seconds. A, defri- a defibrillator only gives you one burst of, like, like electricity. A single charge. Like, a right. single. And also, I have to say, that guy is, like, in the water himself. Yeah, oh, like, yeah. That water's everywhere. Everyone would be electrocuted if that's if that's the rules of this world in which we're in. That you just get endlessly shocked. I know we're still on Act One, but I could talk. We've about only this. like by this is like twenty minutes in. There is no like at this point in this movie, we have no semblance of story. We don't know anyone's motivations. The like nothing has happened. We've just been introduced to the storm shot who we don't know. It's crazy. Once you figure out who who is good in this movie and who is bad, you can enjoy it a lot more. One thing that I do want to talk about is that this movie seems to like view politics through somebody that doesn't know anything about politics eyes after the gi joes get ambushed and a lot of them die and flint roadblock and lady J are all trying to find their way back home they're talking about like well who could have ordered that big of an ambush attack on us and somebody goes you know how how many stars on how many star general would you need to sign off on something like that and lady J goes not stars but buttons on his suit like <laughs> wait yeah. i i love that though i was well, so in on that i was like, like yeah yeah stick it to the like, man like a national security advisor like national security advisors can't order strikes by themselves not unilaterally dude these are the, also yeah that's absolutely true also that's positing that the more buttons that are on your suit the more powerful you are give me a man with 30 buttons and i will show you a world leader i'm a 10 button president <laughs> a 10 button boy all right um act two is not going to clear anything up for us uh, but let's get into it roadblock flint and lady J return to the united states where they set up base camp in a rundown gym 
There, Lady J deduces that someone is impersonating the president, and Roadblock leads them to General Joseph Colton, played by Bruce Willis, who provides them with weapons and helps them infiltrate a fundraising event that the president will be attending. Lady J steals a sample of the president's DNA and confirms that he is Zartan. (laughs) Okay, sorry. Oh, God. The Joes are able to escape after a confrontation with Firefly, the head of the U.S. Secret Service's presidential detail, and a member of COBRA. Meanwhile, Snake Eyes and Jinx locate and capture Storm Shadow in the Himalayas after a battle with multiple ninjas on a mountain, and they take him to Japan, where Storm Shadow reveals that Zartan... (laughs) You really can't make it through that name, Zartan. It's so stupid. Of course he's the bad guy. His name's Zartan. (laughs) And this, this whole last paragraph is so crazy. It's just such a crazy like thing. That, you know, that uh, Adam Sandler movie, Don't Mess With the Zartan. The Zartan. <laughs> no. Okay, I'm going to try that one again. <sighs> okay. Meanwhile, Snake Eyes and Jinx locate and capture Storm Shadow after a battle with ninjas on a mountain, and they take him to Japan, where Storm Shadow reveals that Zartan murdered the Hard Master, and that he joined... <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's just, We're never going to make it. Who, like, who is the hard master? No, that, that's just a lazy name. What is hard master? I, get, hard I get blind master. Blind. <laughs> <laughs> blind master is blind, obviously. Does hard master just have a boner? <laughs> who is the hard master? Oh my uh, god. That's why, you know, he's he's always hard. That's amazing. That oh you know what? God. He's the only superman super uh, hero in this movie. <laughs> That's only canon. one of superpowers. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Where Storm Shadow reveals that Zartan murdered the Hard Master and that he joined <laughs> Okay. Oh, okay, okay, I have to do it again. Okay. Okay. Where Storm Shadow reveals that Zartan murdered the Hard Master and that he joined Cobra to avenge his uncle. Storm Shadow then accompanies Snake Eyes and Jinx as they join the Joes' efforts to stop Cobra Commander. Oh, okay. Who? <laughs> I just need to know who is Hardmaster. Oh, I just need God. to know. I just need to know for my own personal sake who in this movie is Hardmaster. So this this second act for me, even though it has some of the better action sequences, pretty much this movie is split into two different. They're like two different storylines. You have the. The sort of soldiers, you have, you know, uh, Roadblock, Flint, and Lady J. You have their story and trying to stop the president. And then you have the ninjas going after uh, whatever his name is. uh, Storm Storm Shadow. So they're chasing him in in the Himalayas. Meanwhile, the soldiers are in D.C. trying to stop the fake president, which we haven't talked about. Uh, Zartan, who is using some sort of technology to look exactly like the president. You know, it's basically a ripoff of uh, Jennifer Lawrence's X-Men character. Yeah, this was like, he plays basically Mystique. Uh, and for anyone, if you haven't seen the movie, the the actor playing Zartan is the guy from Game of Thrones that plays the High Sparrow, uh, which if if you're up to date on the show, like it's all you can, it's uh, the only thing that I could see watching this movie was the High Sparrow. Um, he actually, I have to say, I thought he was, 
was a lot of fun in this movie. Yeah, I actually I, really liked the evil president. I, I thought that he was cartoonishly evil for a movie that I, I don't think this movie tries to take itself too seriously. Um, I kind of thought that it knew what it was doing. Uh, and I thought it really fit well with this bad president. I like he acted terrible, you know, when Lady J goes to this fundraiser event. You know, I'm going to have to break down that entire plan of how they get her there. But when she's <laughs> at this fundraising event, he's just a horny old man and he's just acting so terrible. Uh, and I, I really liked it. He was like a real supervillain. So I love that. I'm happy you mentioned this fundraising event, because as you said, there are so many odd moments in this one. One of the the greatest scenes in this movie is is the way in which Lady J infiltrates what I imagine is like in a, a top security event at the White House. Right. She doesn't have to do any Secret Service screening. She doesn't even she flash has, an ID. She just is like she gives him uh, a credit card. She gives <laughs> him a credit card. I noticed that. Like a credit card with somebody else's name on it. And they like, okay, well, she's good to uh, you oh, know, go no, talk to the okay, president. This, okay, it was the chief of staff's credit card. And then on the screen, it's like it, sh- it pops up chief of staff. And they're like, okay, you're good to go. Which to me begs the question, are you telling me that the top security detail in the White House don't know who the they chief of staff is? don't know his own is? chief of staff is. Like, What? It's not even oh like it's God. another woman. It's a dude. It's just an old guy. Like we see him. That in is this insane. Movie. Well, like, okay. So their their plan to get close to the the evil president. So all right. First of all, let's back things up. How do they figure out that it's a uh, the uh, as Bruce Willis <laughs> calls him an imposter president? Uh, <laughs> they're watching. So Lady J is watching before and after videos of the president. And they decide that he's an imposter based on him calling dinner, supper, and soda pop. She like gives this like big explanation about how he's not acting the same. And she's like, oh, well, when he crosses his fingers together, uh, he's supposed to put his left thumb on top, but he's putting his right thumb to- on top now, and you would never do that. So then they hatch this plan to get close to the president, which involves kidnapping and drugging the chief, the White House chief of staff, getting an invite to this ball, confronting the president posing as a fox news reporter and then going from there i mean it is insane it's 100 percent bonkers i i'm convinced that like nobody read the draft of this script a second time like this this is so clearly like this plot makes no sense i i i, I will say that this it. is way more clearly defined than the ninja storyline like, I liked this oh, half God. of the movie. At least your episode. Okay, so imagine, imagine, listener, that you're watching this movie. At the very same time that this is all happening in the White House, we are also getting a 45-minute cut ninja fight in the Himalayan mountains between Snake Eyes, who we finally meet, Storm Shadow, who has escaped from the jail, and Jinx, who also we've just met. And they're battling what appears to be hundreds of ninjas on a mountain on yeah. like, like, like a zip lines, like through the mountain. Basically. Yeah. They're like zip line sword fights. And I actually thought it was really cool. It's pretty CGI, but this movie kind of, you know, it's, it's in line with the movie. IMDB trivia tells us that, uh, that mountaintop sword fight took three months to film. Okay. But that, okay. I'm, I'm glad that that's the case because this to me was 
not only one of the coolest scenes of this movie, I actually think it probably was the coolest scene, in my opinion, the coolest scene of this movie. I think it's one of the coolest action stunts I've seen in a while. From like, like to me, this could have been in a Fast and Furious movie. Like well, this, that's how insane this was. Yeah, and I, this is almost blasphemy, but this movie has a lot of the same beats as a Fast and Furious movie, and I kind of, mm, I kind of may have sort of loved this movie. <laughs> oh my god, oh my god! I will say it made just about the same level of sense as Fast and Furious Eight. Made just well, about yeah. to me. I was like, we don't watch Fast and Furious movies for the plot. You know what I mean? Ex- you, ex- we what can't, did you just say to me? We don't watch it for the plot. <laughs> what did you just say to me, boy? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm telling you, we love them despite that because they're just awesome. And this movie, I think, kind of carries uh, the same amount of awesomeness. Like the villains are more cartoonish, and they're you know because it's a it's a comic book slash cartoon. But this, but they, att- I think they, I think that you're right. I think it attempts to do the Fast and Furious formula. I don't think it pulls it off. And I actually think a major part of that is that Dwayne Johnson's character doesn't get enough. Okay, so I agree with you that this movie, but I but I actually believe this movie attempted a Fast and Furious formula, but didn't, you have to pair Dwayne Johnson up with people uh, who can match him line for line, charisma for charisma. I think that if you had kept Channing Tatum in this movie, I think that this movie would be drastically different. But instead, Dwayne Johnson spends 75% of his screen time with this guy Flint and this woman Lady J, who are both, you know, they're fine. I thought uh, I actually thought Lady J was was okay. Uh, I thought Bruce Willis's character, General Joseph Colton. I thought that he, even though he's kind of sleepwalking through this movie and knows that he's much better than it, I actually think that he's pretty good in this movie. Um, like I said, I, I I could completely ditch the ninja storyline, which would be great because this movie's kind of long. But it's a shame, though, right? Like, if you ditch the ninja storyline, and if you do, by the way, this movie makes actually plenty of sense. If you if you subtract the ninja storyline, I think it actually is a pretty is pretty manageable. But if you take out the ninja storyline, you lose the best action of the movie. Well, the most audacious action. I thought it was, probably was the best, but you know, I think that the first fight between Firefly and Roadblock uh, in Fake Georgetown is. I think it's really good. You see Dwayne Johnson get beaten. Which is a that's a pretty it's kind of a rarity in a lot of these movies, even in the rundown when it looks like he's gonna lose in a fight he wins he almost always wins in hand to hand combat but here he does he loses he uh, absolutely loses a fight yeah I, I I and later on uh, they have another fight where he straight up blows up Firefly uh, after a boat chase and I I thought that that was all really cool yeah I I I don't know I. I think that there was a lot of good action, but I think part of the G.I. Joe brand is having ninjas with soldiers and trying to pull all that off in one movie is a tall order. And I thought they did an okay job of it, I guess. I will say it seems to me in the world of uh, in this universe, it seems to be much better to be a ninja than a soldier because (laughs) the ninjas, like every time that they're up against a soldier, they just cut the bullets in half with their sword so oh yeah well we see that at the end of the movie that's really cool so like i don't think you can lose as a ninja apparently to me it seems like that's you kind of if you can cut bullets in half how are you gonna get killed by a soldier i don't know well and and going along with the ninja storyline we take a trip to japan after they finally capture storm shadow and we see rizza 
from the Wu Tang Clan playing a <laughs> blind master is his character's yeah, name. This is this don't don't get confused with Hard Master. Who's no, Hard Master is dead in this movie, but he's alive in a flashback. The only flashback in this movie. This again, like I loved that Rizzo was like I again I could watch a movie strictly about the ninjas or strictly like I, I wish I had a, its own origin movie because it's fascinating. They're both fascinating plot lines, but they do not make any sense together at all in this movie. No, I didn't think so either. There were hard cuts between the two storylines. We get like a super serious, uh, in, in this act, we get a super serious like ninja scene. And then it's a hard cut to lady J's butt. <laughs> running through Georgetown, uh, you know, she's all dressed up as a runner to sort of lure the White House chief of staff into a car so that they can kidnap him. Uh, but it's like, it's so weird. But uh, what do we think about this this plot that Zartan has to uh, basically clone himself as a copy of the president? So I, I guess I'm all in on the president cloning. If if for no other reason than it was like I was like oh like this makes sense like I I understood finally what the motivation was I was like this is yeah, a bad I guy that. like yeah but I again my confusion came up in that I didn't under I thought I thought for a good chunk of the movie that Zartan was the ultimate bad guy when I guess that's actually Cobra Commander even though like Cobra Commander Cobra he's like pulling the strings but hardly I mean he was frozen in that jail. I know, I know. But but I like I did like it. I actually I liked it and I loved the way that the actor, you know, the actor had to play both like him like the regular president and the bad president and I thought he did a really convincing job of both, which must have been a pretty weird task as a as an actor. But I I don't know. I I really enjoyed it. I I really enjoyed it. But now it's time for us to find out how GI Joe Retaliation ends. And of course, that is Act Three. Zartan, acting as the President of the United States, invites the world leaders to a summit at Fort Sumter where he blackmails them into disabling their nuclear arsenals and reveals that he has created something called Project Zeus, which consists of seven orbital kinetic bombardment weapons of mass destruction, all of which are at his command. He destroys central London to prove his superiority and threatens to destroy other capitals around the world if all the countries don't submit to Cobra. At the last possible moment, the Joes and Storm Shadow arrive. Storm Shadow then betrays Cobra Commander and kills Zartan, revealing Cobra's deception to the world leaders. While Snake Eyes, Jinx, and Flint fight Cobra soldiers, Cobra Commander activates the remaining six weapons of Zeus and instructs Firefly to protect the launch device at all costs. Firefly, however, is killed in combat by Roadblock, who deactivates and destroys the orbital weapons. Meanwhile, Colton and Lady J rescue the president. The Cobra Commander escapes during the final battle, and Storm Shadow disappears after avenging his uncle's death. The real president addresses the nation at a White House ceremony where Roadblock, Lady J, Flint, Jinx, and Snake Eyes are honored as heroes. Colton presents Roadblock with a pistol to kill Cobra Commander with and avenge Duke and the other fallen Joes. Roadblock proudly raises the weapon and fires a single shot in honor of his fallen comrades. End scene. Uh, okay, so that is, that's how G.I. Joe wraps up. Let's talk, uh, we gotta talk, I mean, this this pivotal, climactic moment in this bunker at Fort Sumter where Zartan 
uh, and the world leaders like go ballistic with nukes in the span of like six minutes. Yeah. So this is like a third act development that I actually really like. So the fake president Zartan uh, is able to convince every single nuclear power. I think there are like eight countries with nuclear weapons all to come to this one fort. And then he basically says, I'm going to nuke you all or you guys need to disarm. Otherwise I'm going to, I'm going to nuke all of you. Uh, and he makes a he makes a point to say the you know the United States has enough nuclear weapons to destroy all of you guys fourteen times over, and then he like looks over at North a guy who looks like Kim Jong Un and goes fifteen if it's North Korea, and then you see this really really funny looking guy like kind of like raise his hands like like what the heck man like what, what did North Korea ever do? So let's I want to I want to play this though just so we can kind of set the scene. For what this is like, because it, it we really can't even do it justice. It's it's fun. It's it's diabolical. Let's just let's just play the clip, gentlemen. Welcome to a nuclear-free world. I want to direct your attention to live images of your homelands. Now, you're looking at an advanced weapon system we call Project Zeus. There are seven Zeus satellites orbiting Earth. Each satellite contains ten hollow platinum tubes filled with a tungsten rod. Zeus, satellite 1A, approaching London. Ordnance live and loaded. Awaiting drop authorization. Now, to direct a rod to its target, we don't launch it or fire it. We drop it. the rest. Observe. Satellite 1A, we have remote launch authorization. Three, two, one, drop. A rod touches down eight times faster than a bullet and with a force significantly greater than a nuclear warhead. None of the fallout. All of the fun. So I, I gotta say, like, I, so I didn't like this. I was baffled, um, but I did love how everyone was so quick to launch their nuke. Like at one point, the entire world's nuclear arsenal is in the air. Well, which... that's the point, right? Is to get everyone to launch their nuclear weapons and then to talk them out of doing it so they'll destroy them, they'll abort and destroy their nuclear weapons so that the United States is the only one with any sort of uh, uh, huge, you know, world-destroying weapon. Uh, West London, though, or central London, just gets gets nuked. Okay. Like, he nukes London. Like, even yeah, he does it. End- and at the end of this movie, exact, you're exactly right. At the end of this movie, everyone's really happy, but we never find out about like the tens of millions of people that died in London. Like, like that doesn't get addressed at all. And it's like London is, I have to imagine, devastated. England's not big. Like, no. Like, that's all gone. It's that, all just- gone. And, and something like that, uh, a huge tungsten rod. Uh, dropping from you know the edge of the atmosphere would cause such earthquakes that would also cause like tsunamis. So we didn't see any of the wreckage from that. Um, but apparently these sort of weapons 
are theoretically possible and have been discussed, which is crazy. I don't like that. No, it's scary. I saw what happened. <laughs> I saw what they did to London. Yeah, London. Never, for, never forget London. Twenty thirteen GI Joe. London strong. We get this big fight when all of the when the Joes uh, with with Storm Shadow in tow here to avenge his uncle. Uh, they come in to stop you know the evil plan. Um, we get a pretty good fight scene. I mean, it, it like you, it's really the marriage of ninjas and soldiers. Um, yeah, that's when they finally get together in this movie. It takes in this two hour long movie. It takes until about hour one hour and 40, 40 minutes into it for everyone to finally get together. But then, so we get this scene like like Zartan, like the guy who's been impersonating the president. He gets killed like three minutes into this fight. Right, but. All the all of the rest of the the other seven satellites are like moving into position to destroy the other seven countries. So Zartan had already triggered that, and then he dies, and then Firefly makes off with like the nuclear football. So, but then, why did Zartan? What did he like? What was Zar, what did Zartan want? Who is Zartan really? Well, what is he, what's his he's motivation? A, he's a puppet of uh, Cobra Commander. But he's just he's just a bad guy? Like that's yeah. he's just a pawn? Sure. Uh at one point he go at one point he goes, Well, who doesn't want to rule the world? And so that's well, what he's after here. He I wants- like that. Yeah. I like that. I just I have to say, Zartan makes a much more compelling supervillain than Cobra Commander. Well, and then it's good that we don't see a whole lot of Cobra Commander. I hate Cobra Commander. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> So Cobra Commander is basically like Blofeld in the James Bond movies, in the old James Bond movies. Uh, it's set up pretty much exactly like that, where in a lot of those old Bonds, you would have like these mini bosses that were working for Spectre and Blofeld, but like the movies would deal with just defeating them, and then you know Blofeld would get away at the end. And that's exactly what happened here. But so where my confusion then comes in is that this movie... Uh, G.I. Joe Retaliation is it's supposed to be both a sequel and a reboot so like is Cobra Commander always the bad guy like is this the same Cobra Commander in other G.I. Joes is like, yeah this is he always the, gets away so there's just it's just Cobra Commander he just is the bad guy yeah hmm he's a yeah he's the bad guy of this terrorist organization I'll tell you what I don't like Snake Eyes, but I like Snake Eyes more than I like Cobra Commander. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, God. Now that I think about it, like these guys are terrorists. And at the beginning of this movie, they just have like all these Pakistani people helping them out. Of course, Pakistan hated this movie. Well, that's, again, nobody, I don't think anyone comes out of this movie looking like a real hero. Like the Joes are super soldiers who pretty much just kill Muslims and also hold their enemies in a Guantanamo base underground without trial. And the Cobras are ninjas that want to take over the world and have shape-shifting abilities. That's not good either. Like, I don't th- I think this is a movie full of villains. I'm not, I don't like anyone. <laughs> like, everyone's bad. What I will say is that this movie, or at least Dwayne Johnson's character, which, honestly, we haven't talked about a lot because... There's not a ton of character development, but there a lot of it echoes what we find out in later Fast and Furious movies. We find out that Hobbs has a young daughter. You know, he's just a single dad with a young daughter. Early on in this movie, we find out that his character Roadblock has twin daughters and uh, and no wife. Uh, so 
you know, and they uh, both use the minigun. They bo- both yeah, characters exactly. make use, the- and they both drive a very similar like tank jeep hybrid type of a thing. I just see the parallels. Yeah, I, there are a lot of parallels. Yeah, um, and yeah, when well, they're both questionable fathers because they go off abandoning their young uh, daughter to go to their certain death. Yes, jeez, oh my god. We this movie ends with with Roblox going back to his house and both his daughters are just like sitting at the kitchen table. This is an act 1 problem, but we're going to go back to it. Uh yeah, how did they go from being in the desert in Pakistan to I guess they they come across an airfield and said, <laughs> "Oh, that's our ticket home." But we never see anything. Next we see them in completely different yeah. clothes in Washington DC, and let me tell you, they make DC look like a garbage place. God, they you're right, absolutely right. They couldn't have made it look any worse. They're like, "This is DC. This it's the hood." He's like, like, "Yeah, you better turn around." Like this guy who's like Dwayne Johnson's friend, but you don't know it because they're just messing with each other. They're like threatening each other. But yeah, it turns out that yeah, and you find out a little bit of Dwayne Johnson's backstory, and it might actually be a good idea to play this clip that we get a little more backstory into who. Roadblock is. I came here when I was 14 with a life expectancy of 13. I was bounced around from home to home until this became my home. Guys were lined up outside that door to fight me. They whooped my skinny ass so much I started to enjoy it. Till one winter, I grew eight inches, gained 60 pounds. Punched a guy so hard he couldn't move his arm to tap out. Then when the Joes came recruiting to the hood, I'd already beaten down half of it. I became a Joe to serve in the field. So if we're fighting uphill, we take the hill. All right. I, I just I love that because it's basically the v- exact same origin story that he has in Gridiron Gang, where he's just like a youngster on the wrong side of the tracks who grows up to seek justice in the world. Um, but now let's, we could talk about this movie for another hour. Uh, it's time to talk, of course, about, uh, where this movie ranks in the Dwayne Johnson pantheon. And the way we do that, of course, is through our patented franchise Viagra test. Franchise Viagra. (laughs) As always, franchise Viagra is broken down into three separate categories, hard work, charisma, and physique. Hard work. Uh, I don't know about you, Jordan, but I thought Dwayne Johnson was trying. You know, he has two pretty brutal fights with Firefly in this movie. And I think it's straight up him. I think he's doing a lot of his own stunts. So for me, he passes that tenet. Next, Charisma. Uh, You see a lot more of this, I think, in the first act, especially with him and Channing Tatum. We didn't even talk about the scene where they're trying to shoot out a candle on top of a cupcake. Uh, I actually really enjoyed that. Uh, So I, for me... He just barely passes it because it's absent for a lot of the movie. Physique? Sure. Uh, You know, he looks as good here as he ever has. Uh, One of my favorite things is he is sitting in the living room with Channing Tatum playing video games, and that man's knees are so sweaty. And that's what we're looking for. That's what we're looking for. So for me, he passes all three tenets of the franchise Viagra test, and I would like to see a sequel. I know they're not going to make one. Even though this movie made its money three times over, uh, yeah, uh, I would definitely see one. Charlie, I don't think I don't think I agree with you, Charlie. Fast Five came out in 2011, 
And that's arguably the first time that Dwayne Johnson as like a franchise, uh, you know, as a shock to the nervous system of a, of a, of a kind of dormant franchise was used to ignite a sequel and, and really gave new life to a franchise. This was the second attempt. Like I can't imagine watching a sequel to this movie that doesn't just strictly involve the ninjas. Like see, to me, Roblox was the, one of the least con- like compelling characters of this movie. I don't see how he's so different from Hobbs to make you think that. I mean, what what tenant do you not agree with of the franchise Viagra test? I well, I have to, I think his charisma is lacking in this movie, uh, and I think that part of that is a problem with his supporting cast. I don't think that he's given enough to bounce and play off with. Um, I think with what little he did get. He did okay with, but he's given top billing, but I don't consider him the star of this movie. He probably has the most screen time, though. But is he the most electric man on TV while you're watching? Like, I don't know if I'd rather... Like, to me, the best fight scenes in this movie came from the ninjas. Well, maybe Uh, you just like ninjas. That might be what I'm learning here. (laughs) Is that I don't understand ninjas, but I like them. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. For me, I would definitely... I think I would like to see if they just left out all the ninja stuff and focused on the soldiers and maybe were a little bit less racist. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they could, that, they could always I, dial I, I back I think I would racism. like to see it. Okay, so Charlie, so you'd want to see a sequel, but my question for you is where does this rank in your rock movie list? You know, this one's tough because I found myself enjoying this movie a lot. I think if we were, you know, 20 minutes shorter, I would have enjoyed it even that much more. Uh, but for me, you know, I'm looking at my rankings right now. Gosh, I don't know. I think I do like it better than Get Smart. And about the same as Gridiron Gang, which is my number six. But I think I'm going to... You know what? Actually, I'm going to slot it ahead of Gridiron Gang because we get to see more Dwayne Johnson combat. You don't get any of that in uh, Gridiron Gang. So for me, surprisingly, I can't believe I'm saying this, but this is going to slide in number six in my Rock Talk movie rankings. What about you, Jordan? I cannot believe this cracks your top six. I am shocked and appalled. Um, You know, I, I didn't like it. I just didn't. I was too confused. I still don't really understand what the story was. I liked everyone else in the movie more than I liked Dwayne Johnson. And I found myself just, instead of having fun with it, just trying to figure out what the heck was going on. So I got to say, uh, and this this deviates slightly from where you have this movie, this is going to be my least favorite Dwayne Johnson film that we've looked at so far. And that, that includes, what? this goes below Tooth Fairy. This goes below Baywatch. This goes below uh, Race to Witch Mountain. Oh my this gosh. Is, this for me is literally this goes below Mo, oh, Moana, what? which I hate. This is insane. I, this is th- listen up folks. This is the worst this is the worst rock movie that we've watched. No. And that's the I, God's truth. Oh my I can't believe it. I can't believe you you just even for you the ninja on the mountainside sequence doesn't bump it above Baywatch and the Tooth Fairy. You're telling me that the Tooth Fairy was better? Purely as a rock movie, this is a this is not as good as the Tooth Fairy. The Tooth Fairy is a much better rock movie. And I'll tell you what, 
the Tooth Fairy, for me, comes closer to fulfilling the franchise Viagra tenants than G.I. Joe Retaliation. That That's insane to me. Um, I will. I swear that one day I will change your opinion about this movie. Well, we will see. Uh, have you seen G.I. Joe Retaliation? We want to know your thoughts. Please let us know on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can hit us up at Rock Talk Pod on either of those. Again, thank you. You've been listening to the number one rated, reviewed, and listened to Dwayne Johnson theme podcast on the internet. That includes iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. If you support this podcast and if you want to support us, come on, folks. This is Charlie's birthday week. Throw him a bone and leave us a review. It's the number one thing you can do to support this podcast. Yo, Joe, you're listening to Rock Talk.